Oh, oh. Romans chapter number 15. Romans 15 and verse number one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Let's read verse number four one more time. Oh, sorry, verse number three. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would help me now as I preach. Help us, Father, as we study this topic of serving you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see from your word. Help us to see clearly passage after passage that teaches us that our joy and our responsibility is to serve you and not to serve ourselves. We need you. Father, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the busyness of life and forget that we're here to serve you. Father, it's so easy to get wrapped up in the busyness of the Christmas season and forget that we're here to serve you. Lord, it's very easy sometimes to get wrapped up in our own needs. Real needs, difficult needs. Father, and for Christianity become very self-serving. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you would help me now as I preach. Forgive me of sin and pride. Fill me with your spirit. If someone is listening today and they've never trusted you as their savior, I pray that they would see your love today. Pray that they would see the sacrifice that you made. That you came to serve and not to be served. And I pray that they would trust you as their savior. Lord, help us to rededicate our lives to you today. As a result of seeing the truth in your word, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We then that are spiritually mature. How do you know if you're spiritually mature? It's not through the act of being independently strong and selfish and everything is about me and leave me alone and, and, uh, and, and, and I want to be separate and I just want to... And I just want to do my own thing. It's not using your strength for yourself. It's not using your knowledge for yourself. It's not using your spiritual maturity for yourself. It's using all of that to serve others. Now, you can't understand verse number 1, chapter 15, until you talk just a little bit about chapter 14. We have to remember when we read the Bible, the Bible was written in a letter, right? So if somebody's going to write you a letter... Of course, nowadays, we most likely write emails more than letters, right? But you wouldn't just take one little tiny chunk of, of the email right in the middle and say, oh, that's what they're talking about, 
right? You kind of have to understand it, uh, it, what, it, what it's talking about within the context. So in Romans chapter number 14, he's talking about how there are some who are weak in the faith and there are those who are strong in the faith. There are some who from their background of Judaism, they were Jews before they were saved, they would observe certain days, they would observe certain holidays, they would observe certain Jewish festival times. And then also on the other side, you would have Gentiles. Of course, this is written to Romans, those who lived at Rome at the time. But we would think Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish. But it could potentially be Jews as well, right? They could be living in Rome, so it would be addressed to them as well. But on the Gentile side, they would also have uh, maybe some holidays that they would worship. But in context, in chapter 14, it's talking about how they would... um, They would sacrifice animals in a blood offering to false idols before they were saved. And what they would do uh, in this particular time is that when they offered these this meat or these these animals uh, to this deity, they would they would kill the animal. The animal animal would be presented um, in the in the temples of these false deities. And then the and then the meat right from the animal would then be taken to the marketplace and be sold. And that meat, though, would be eaten in honor of the deity. It'd almost be as if a restaurant was attached to the temple in that kind of a sense. So when people would go and buy meat, oftentimes they would be eating that meat. And as they would eat there, it would almost be as in, I'm honoring this god or goddess of the Roman Empire, right? So when someone was saved now, they would decide, I'm not going to eat meat. And But not only that, they would say, if someone else is eating meat and they call themselves a Christian, they're honoring this God. They're honoring this goddess. And also, on the Jewish side, they would say, you're not going to honor the Jewish holidays anymore? And there would be this big kind of debate over spiritual maturity, if are you going to eat the meat or not eat the meat? And are you right or are you wrong? Right? And then on holidays, observing holidays, right? There's some Christians who choose not to celebrate Christmas. Are they wrong? Well, no, they're not. Well, so that means the one who celebrated, they're right. Not necessarily, right? So let's look at chapter number 14 and we'll just read a verse or two to see this cleared up. Verse one says, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Verse three, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. We're not to despise one another in our faith. We're not supposed to look at these particular things where the Bible is not crystal clear on these particular things and say, well, you're doing things differently than me. And so you're right or you're wrong. And we're going to despise and we're going to fight and we're going to make groups, right? Or it's even saying uh, that you would say, uh, let's gang up on him and let's try to convince him and all this kind of drama that goes on. Now, obviously we're not talking about things in the Bible that are clearly sin, If we're going to honor the Lord, we're not going to engage in things that scripture says that's wrong, right? But in this particular case, 
It's talking about spiritual maturity. It's talking about understanding. Look, if you want to, if if you want to eat meat, it's okay. If you want to eat herbs, it's okay, right? If you want to celebrate the holidays, it's okay. If you don't want to celebrate the holidays, it's okay. And that's what it says in verse number four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant to his own master? He standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So if scripture is not extraordinarily clear on it as being right or wrong, sin or not sin, just be persuaded in your own mind. You're allowed to follow your conscience, right? And that's what it's talking about here. And so then the rule becomes this. So if we jump over to verse number 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby that brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Now we're coming to understand a little bit why in chapter number 15 it says that Christ did not please himself. Right? We're understanding who is the most mature Christian in all of the world. Well, it sounds silly to say it, but Jesus is. (laughs) Right? Jesus is. He's crystal clear on right and wrong. But when it comes to loving and peace, he's saying, look, I'm here to help you grow in spiritual maturity. I'm here to, this is going to blow our mind. I'm here to serve. I'm here not to please myself, but I'm here to actually not necessarily please you, Christ said. I'm here to please the Father, but I'm here to help you grow in your Christian life. And so in chapter 14, when it's talking about these things that it's just a matter of conscience, it's not super crystal clear about one way or the other. Okay, can I touch on something that's really uh, controversial right now? I'm going to. What about vaccines? Oh, pastor, I can't believe you said that horrible word. Or some people are thinking, it's about time you talked about it. Can we give each other grace? It's so, it's so awesome that I'm, that I can preach this right now with the Holy spirit helping me because through my knowledge, this has never been an issue in our church, but we can see where when it comes to certain issues in life, the Bible's not extraordinarily clear about it. And we all come from our own background. And as long as the scripture doesn't say specifically, this is sin, do not do this. This is dishonoring to the Lord. It could just be, well, you know what? This is just what I'm comfortable with. This is my tradition. This is kind of my background. And because back before I was a Christian, I used to eat meat that had been offered to idols. Now if I eat meat, I just feel awful about it. I feel as if I'm honoring that old God or goddess. And that's something from my past. And so I'm just not going to do that. 
Does that make sense? But then, so how does that person act with maturity? They look at someone else who is in this particular passage. They are eating meat. They don't have the background of having ever offered meat, to, uh, been eating this meal as an act of worship to a false god or goddess. So that's just the way that they can give grace. And they say, well, if your conscience doesn't conflict, then do your thing. And I'm going to extend grace to you instead of judgment. Does that make sense? Okay. That's so important within the context of Christianity. Because here's the thing, guys. I am not the rule of right and wrong. God is. And the Bible teaches us in this passage that by love, we need to serve one another. But that doesn't make that other brother or that other sister the boss, so to speak. In doing all of this, we're actually serving the Lord. So with that understanding, let's read Romans 15 verses 1 through 3 once again. And I just want to look at a couple of passages of scripture during the time that we have. And let's just, let's just all kind of refocus our minds on we serve the Lord. It's so easy to slip into serving self. Doing good things, but really it's more about me than it's about him. <laughs> so let's look at chapter 15, verses 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Edification means you're building them up in the faith. If I'm serving the Lord, I'm looking to build others up. I'm looking to help their faith. If I'm serving the Lord, I'm using whatever knowledge I have and whatever strength I have and whatever prayer life that I have and whatever growth that I have. And I'm looking to, when I look at other people, I'm not looking at them in, in judgment. I'm looking at them the way Christ looks at me. Now, if anybody has a right to be judgmental, and who sees things clearly, who sees the real me, it's Christ. But that's not what he does. Christ says, I'm going to use my strength to build you up in the faith. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that good? How does Jesus look at you? He looks at you as someone who, hey, I want to help you. I'm here to help you. Now, it doesn't mean that when you cross the line, he's not going to convict you and get you back on the right path. That is helping you helping you. But in this passage, we can see here in verse number three, even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me, right? So the weaknesses and kind of the condemnation that's rolling over on you, he's saying, no, I'll take that condemnation. I'll step in line of that condemnation. I'll cover for you. Let's look at some other passages. Let's look at Psalm 100. This is the one that's written on the screen. The the, uh, the reference that's written on the screen. Psalm 
We serve one another and we serve the Lord when we look at one another, not through the eyes of judgment and picking people apart and saying, you're a little bit different than me in the way that you see things. And so you can just stay on that side. (laughs) Right? That's what he's talking about. It would be so easy within the context of Romans chapter number 14 for there to be several groups. The meat eaters are over there. The holiday people are over there. The non-holiday people are over there. And the vegetarians are over there. And all of a sudden you've got a church now of four groups. And then it gets even more complicated because it's like, well, you know what? This, this group over here, these holiday people think the vegetarians are okay, but they're not, they're not okay with the meat eaters. See how crazy that gets? And it's just like, okay, well, we've got air conditioning blowing today, don't we? Yeah. Guys, I have no idea what's going on. So if you need to pop your coat back on or borrow a hat, I mean, you, you do what you got to do. I, I, this, is, this is insane. So Miss, Miss Yodit is, is happy. She's lived in Canada a long time, and this feels like springtime to her. Are we okay? Okay, we're good. All right. So let's just refocus out of all the drama that's going on and everything that's going on in the world. Let's just let's just refocus on we're here to serve the Lord. This is not about me having my way. This is about God having his way. We're here to serve the Lord. Right. Because I'm here to serve the Lord and because we are here to serve the Lord, we can be kind and gracious to one another. Why? Because God is kind and gracious to me. Aren't aren't you thankful we don't serve a judgmental God? We don't serve a God that looks at, that looks at me and looks at you and, and, and goes and, and like, you know, sits around the coffee shop in heaven and chatting with the angels like, can you believe that, Pastor Corey? I mean, can you even believe and just gossip and talk? No, God's the complete opposite of that. He's always looking for ways to help. And that doesn't mean be judgmental and say you're saying you're help, right? helping, right? <laughs> Let's look at Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. I like that. That means this is for us because we're in all the lands, right? This is written to Canadians and immigrants to Canada like me and you and us. This is us. Make a joyful noise. Praise the Lord. Unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse two, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Sometimes we think this verse is written, serve the Lord with sadness. Serve the Lord with badness. Heavens help us know. Serve the Lord with gladness. It is a whole lot easier to serve when you are serving the Lord. It's easier to be glad when you remember who you're serving. Uh, I expected an amen right there. I'm trying. I'm trying to lead you right up to it. Right? Sometimes we go through life and we forget who we're serving, guys. We're serving the Lord. So let's do so with gladness. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk in a lot of the Christmas movies. I always talk about carrying the spirit of Christmas. I don't know what, exactly what that means. Maybe this is what this is talking about. Right? Carry the spirit of Christmas with, with you 365 days a year. Maybe this is what it's talking about. But I know this. I have a much better outlook on life when I'm serving the Lord and I'm serving him with gladness than when I'm serving myself, because that's when I begin to serve with sadness and madness. We're serving the Lord. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord. Ah, this is good. He is God. It is easier to serve the Lord when you remember that he is God. It is easier to serve the Lord when we remember he's the one in control. He is the creator. He is our guide. He's the one who is sovereign. He's in control of the situations that are in your life right now. How can I serve the Lord with gladness? Don't I I need to focus on myself? No, because he's God. He's the one that's in control. We can serve him. It it, it almost seems as if in the human human mind, serving the Lord is almost like a distraction from what I should really be doing in life. Shouldn't I be spending my time in better things? I mean, look how many uh, businesses are open today on Sunday. There was a time when nearly everything would be closed on a Sunday. You would never have to worry about somebody saying, oh, pastor, I have to work Sunday. But we live in different times. We live in different times. And sometimes as Christians, we can get caught up in the thinking of, I have to do everything the way the world does it. Well, let me tell you something. The world doesn't have a trust in God that God can, that God can help and God can take care and God is there for them. They have to do it all themselves. We don't have to do it all ourselves. We can serve the Lord. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Serve the Lord. In serving the Lord, he makes us. In serving the Lord, he makes us who we need to be. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Really, this is a description of how we can serve the Lord as well. Is it not? Pastor, you're talking about serving the Lord, serve the Lord, serve the Lord. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it means we're not self-serving. We're going to be like Christ and not try to please ourselves. We're not going to go through life and say, what pleases me? Fundamentally, the Christian is going to ask, what pleases the Lord? What does God want? Well, I'm just trying to figure out what I want. Why don't we take that energy and spend it into asking God, what do you want? What do you want? Well, how do we serve the Lord? We serve the Lord by thanking him. We need to be a thankful people. You realize when we're thanking him, we're serving him. Well, pastor, uh, God hasn't called me to, to, to teach or he hasn't called me to, to preach or he hasn't called me to do this or do that or no, no, no. We're all called to serve the Lord. How do we serve him? We serve him by thanking him. We serve him by thanking him. We serve him by praising him. We can do that. We can do that. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Verse five, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's take a look at another passage. Matthew chapter number, uh, nope, sorry, Luke. Luke chapter one. We looked at this during the uh, Christmas party, but I just want to touch on this once again. 
Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, let's look at, let's look at verse number 26. Luke 1 and verse number 26. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son And shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. In verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary had a very unique place in history where God chose her to be the virgin mother to his son, Jesus Christ. This has never happened before. It will never happen again. She's the only one that had this job. This messenger was sent to Mary to announce this message. This is God's plan for you. This is God's unique plan for your life. And Mary responded, and I love verse number 38. Listen, if I can just mention this, there should be sometimes verses that you just can't get away from. Verses where you read it and you say, you know what, I'm doing my other Bible reading and I'm listening to other sermons, but I've just got to come back to that one because that one is just really speaking to me right now. It's really resonating with me. It's really helping me where I'm at in my life right now. And this for me is verse number 38. Now, verse number 37 is awesome, right? We love that one. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. But verse number 38 is just something that God is allowing me to chew on. By the way, that that is biblical meditation. Pastor, should we meditate? Let me teach you how to meditate. Get in the word of God. And when God speaks to you through a verse, keep going back to it and keep going back to it and keep thinking about it. It's not emptying your mind. It's putting something that is pure and holy and good and spiritually nutritious and mentally right and mentally nutritious 
into your mind so that you can chew on that and try to get all of the spiritual nutrients out of it. That's what biblical meditation is. And that brings so much strength and so much help. And so from this verse, we can see in verse 38, he says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. So, so after, after this, the annunciation, right? That's what it's called. That's the big word. After this big announcement to Mary, she has this attitude of, I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here to serve the Lord. This new announcement, this brand new thing. And she says, yes. Do we realize that whatever is happening in your life, God is behind whatever is happening in your life? The circumstances, the fact that you're sitting here, the fact that I'm here, the fact that people are in this room. And whatever may be happening in our life that may seem a bit unusual, maybe a bit unexpected. This is not the way she expected her life to turn out. She didn't expect this. She didn't know this. It just happened. And with every life's change, with every new revelation, with every new chapter, we can say that. That's how we say it these days. With every new chapter in our life, with every new season that happens. I mean, COVID's changed so much, hasn't it? How do we serve the Lord? How do we serve the Lord when something changes? Oftentimes we feel like we have to try to serve him the way that we've always served him. We have to go back. But Mary, you can't go back. You can't serve him the way you used to serve him. If you can't serve him the way you used to serve him, don't stop serving him. If there are changes that are happening in your life and things are not turning out the way you thought they would turn out, respond with trust. How do we serve the Lord with changes? We respond with trust. We say like Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. God, this is not what I expected, but I'm going to trust you with this. God, this is not what I saw coming, but I am going to trust you with this. God, this is not what, was that, that, what I realized was going to happen in this relationship or in this situation or in this season of my life. I didn't think I would be living here. I didn't think I would be dealing with that. I didn't think that this would be happening, but I'm going to trust you with this. We serve the Lord when we respond to the changes with trust. I'm going to continue to trust. I'm going to continue to trust. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter number three. I don't know why the Lord wants me to talk about fighting today, but we've been talking about fighting, fighting over preferences, fighting over matters of conscience, fighting over who's right, right? We talked about that in Romans chapter 14. Let's serve the Lord. Let's serve the Lord. 
right? And then here's the last one we'll look at. 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, there, there really isn't a worse example of a church in Scripture than the Corinthian church, right? If you could draw a sketch of the most messed up church, this would be the most messed up church, okay? There's a reason why 1 Corinthians is so long in chapter and there's a reason why there's a, there's a second Corinthians because they still didn't get it right, honestly. And, and come on, let's be honest. Uh, sometimes we're, we're, like, we're, like the, we're like the Corinthians where it's just like, you know what? I, I, I'm so, I, I've made so many wrong choices, right? But aren't you thankful that when we're messed up, God's like, okay, you're gonna need a couple extra chapters. I get it. <laughs> uh, Paul, sit down. You're gonna have to get a new pen on this one, okay? Go, go and get, go to the art supply. Uh, and they didn't have art supply back then. Right. Um, but this is just one of the things. And God comes back and reminds him in all the drama that's going on in first Corinthians. You need to be serving me. You need to be serving me. First Corinthians three. And we're going to read verse number. We're going to read verse number nine. And then we're going to go back and kind of look at what he's talking about. Verse nine says, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Husbandry, meaning like this is, this is a husbandry, meaning like fields or vineyards or, or like you're God's farm in a way. And you're God's building. God is building you, right? But he's saying we're laborers together with God. He's saying you need to be serving the Lord, but you also need to understand, praise God, you're not doing it by yourself. God, we're serving God with God. <laughs> we're serving God by his grace. He is the one that fuels us. He is the one that helps us. He's the one that guides us. He is the one that is, 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 is instructing us. We're doing this all together. So from the context and from the passage, it's really saying you're working together, but as you're working together with God, God's also building you. You are working together with God. Think about a job that you have or you say, I've got this new job. I don't really know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm working with a great group of people. And as we're working together, they're kind of teaching me how it works and they're learning from me and I'm learning from them. Does that make sense? That's what we do when we agree, when we cooperate with God. When we cooperate with God for personal choices, for to make changes, to make steps of growth. But then also when we begin to serve God and begin to look at things the way God looks at things. And the problem was that with this church at Corinth, they really had a very selfish view of church. They really had a very selfish view of church. And we're going to look very briefly here. At this, in verse one, it says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he's saying there's two ways of looking at this situation. There's the spiritual, which is the way God looks at it. And then there's the carnal, which is the way that unsaved people look at the situation, right? And there's always two ways of dealing with the situation in your life. There's the way that everybody else deals with it, kind of the unsaved way. You know, maybe, maybe you're trying to be manipulative or maybe you can eat, uh, the world says it's okay to lie in certain situations to get what you want or whatever it may be. But then there's the way that pleases God, right? There's, when we're serving the Lord, 
We need to do things the way God wants us to do it, right? And so in the church, they were fighting one another. Man, church is fighting. What were they fighting about? Verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men, meaning unsaved, right? Aren't you walking? Aren't you living and making choices like unsaved people? Verse four, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now let me explain. There were two uh, teachers. The apostle Paul, he's the one that originally came to Corinth, and he's the one that taught He led many of them to Christ. But then the the second guy that came in, his name was Apollos. And he was kind of one of the the first teachers that came and really helped them to understand. And of course, we can see from this passage and others, he also led many of them to Christ. So they were fighting over who led you to Christ, Paul or Apollos. Now, this was kind of a very Greek culture thing to do. With Greek philosophy, they would fight. Are you of Aristotle? Are you of Plato? <laughs> right? And we can see later in, in, in the book of Acts, they would say there's the Epicureans and there's the Stoics. There's different outlooks and there's different teachers and there's different tribes. And let's fight and let's talk. And who's better? How about this? Let's compete. Let's serve the Lord by fueling it with competition. Hmm. Interesting. But look at verse two. Serve the Lord. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. When you have this, when you have this attitude of fleshly carnal competition where you're always trying to look and see well this is my background and this is the way I think and this is who led me to Christ and this is where I was educated and this is the kind of church I came from and so we're better and you're always trying to make groups in this case based on personalities God says that's carnal That's not spiritually mature at all. Matter of fact, he's saying to this church, if you think that way, you can only understand the very basics of Christianity. You don't even understand the really mature things yet. This is actually a sign of spiritual immaturity. So when he's saying serve the Lord, he's saying, hey, let's understand that we're serving together. Let's serve together. Let's serve together. Let's serve the Lord together. Now you say, well, pastor, uh, we don't necessarily fight over who we follow. Here's something that is very common nowadays. It's more of, I'm just going to follow myself. How many of you guys have heard of this one? I don't really follow people. I don't really go to a church. I don't really want to be a member of a church anywhere. I'm not really going to do that. 
I'm just going to kind of follow myself. I'm just going to kind of be, I'm going to craft my own spiritual experience. Doesn't that sound like really, wow. You must be so spiritual. And God's like, "Um, actually, that's carnal. God says, hey, if you're going to serve me, let's serve, let's, let's serve together. Let's serve together. You say, well, that means anybody who says they're a Christian, then we can just come together and we should all, we should all just come together and we should serve together. And, and being a Baptist doesn't mean anything. And the kind of Bible you have doesn't mean anything. As long as you say that you love Jesus, then let's just all just serve together. Right? No. No. Okay, and I'll give you one more passage and we'll be done. This is important, so if, if you would please turn, turn here. 2 Timothy 3 and 13. 2 Timothy 3 and 13. Second Timothy 3 and 13. Serve the Lord. We're going to serve him. We're not here to please ourselves. Right? We're going to serve the Lord with gladness. We're going to have the right spirit and the right attitude about it. It's not going to be drudgery. Okay? We're going to serve the Lord with the right attitude. We're going to be thankful unto him. Right? We're going to be like Mary and say, you know what? Through the circumstances, I'm still going to serve you. I'm not going to retreat back and, and try, to, try, try to serve you the old way. We're going to say, you know what? We're going to grow in this experience and allow the Lord to teach us how to serve him today within this context. We're going to grow through this. We're going to serve the Lord through growth. Okay? We're going to serve the Lord together. Oh, man. Churches that serve the Lord together. And, 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 and we're going to retreat from, the, from, from the, the mindset of, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing. I'm just going to kind of lead myself. Okay? We're, we're going to retreat from that. But then we also need to kind of thicken this mindset of serving the Lord with just a little bit of a warning and then we'll close out. A little bit of a warning here. Look at verse 13, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. This is in the context of false teachers. False teachers. If we drop down to chapter 4 and look at verse number 2. Now he's talking to Timothy. He's a pastor. He's teaching the pastor. He's saying, preach the word. What do we do at Sparrow? We preach the word. Why? Because that's what Jesus told me to do. Oh, in a dream he told you that? No, he told me in his word to preach the word. So I'm going to preach the word. It's that easy, really. Praise the Lord, it's that easy. He doesn't make it super complicated. Be instant, in season. That means to be ready, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Oh, that's a good word. Doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. We don't believe in doctrine. You don't believe in teaching? What do you believe? Nothing. 
We just praise Jesus while actually praising Jesus as a doctrine. If you believe in Jesus, that means you believe in him. You can, look, you can water down coffee so much to the point where you're not drinking coffee anymore. And you can make Christianity so loving and accepting that it's really not Christianity anymore. Amen. So what does it say? Preach the word. Always preach the word. Verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own This sounds like a bunch of YouTube preachers to me. Pastor, aren't you on YouTube? That's not the point. (laughs) Like, guys, this is describing this generation of Christianity. They will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, meaning desire, it doesn't mean sexual desire, it just means their own, their, hey, Their own self-serving desire. Not what does God want? Let's serve the Lord. Let's follow him. Let's follow his word. But what is it that I'm really feeling? What do I really want? What's my desire? After their own lust shall they heap to themselves, teachers, having itching ears. Reminds me of like a puppy dog that just like, and then you get the foot going, right? (laughs) Oh, that's the That's the spot. Yeah, those doctrinal messages, those ones that are kind of a little bit thicker and don't really quite understand. And that's not really my thing. So I'm just going to kind of sit at home and just kind of watch whatever, whatever my ear is itching for. Oh, man, there's a warning there. That's not how we serve the Lord, guys. We don't serve the Lord based on what itches our ear. Man, that's good. Because that's what, that's what I want to do. That's what you want to do. We all want to be that way. We all have our own desires. We all, all have our own favorite things that we like to hear. Christianity is not self-help. It's not serve. It's not some, 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 some types of preaching that come out nowadays. It's pseudo-psychology. It's almost like a Christian therapy and praise session. And not that we can't get help and not that the word of God isn't therapeutic. But it's deeper than that. It gives us something incredibly strong and and, and sure to hold on to. More so than just, yeah, this is what I'm feeling, so help me with my feelings. Verse 4, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. God's word guides our service to the Lord. We're not going to be competitive. We're not going to be self-serving. It's not about me. It's about him. And if it's going to be about him, it's going to be what his word describes as being true faith. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.